this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another fabulous, educational, inspirational episode of Black Opinions Matter, motherfucker. We got a special guest today because we're going to be talking about special things regarding the music industry. Everybody, welcome our music expert, Naima. What's up, Naima? (laughs) That's me doing the golf clap. That's me doing the golf clap. I, I love I love the the new improved bigger grander intro. That's awesome. Yeah, no, we're trying. We're, we're, putting, here. we're trying. We're trying. And you, you know uh, what else we're also trying is we got a month left before our live show. That's October twelfth at the Independent in San Francisco. Rob, how many tickets we got left? Do you know? I, I'd say it's under twenty. I believe. I thought I thought we were done, and they just sent me an email today saying they uh, pushed some newly released batch. So I was like, all right, well, either way, if you are in the San Francisco area, definitely cop a couple. If you are not, you got a month away. It's October twelfth, so. Most airlines, the fares are pretty stable up to three weeks out. So you got like about a week to go ahead and cop you some travel accommodations, what have you, and then get yourself to the independent. It's going to be a, a great show. We're always, you know, anyone who's been to our live shows know that we always bring it with the special guests. We always bring it with the energy. We always bring it with the stories that we can't say on wax. The kind of stuff you can't say while recorded, but we can definitely say in front of a room full of people. So you don't want to miss that. October 12th, for all ticketing information, go to countthedings.com and uh, click on tickets, live events, something like that. We'll take care of it. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, man. Whether it's a knee injury, a back injury, or something even worse, guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Can you even believe that? Something that important? Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for 
erectile dysfunction online. Roman is a one-stop shop where you can get where you can chat with a licensed U.S. physician who can treat ED and, if safe and appropriate, ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, no awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash BOM, complete an online visit, chat with a doctor, and if the doctor decides that it would be safe and appropriate, they'll shift the genuine medication right to your door in discreet, un mark packaging guys go online and get checked by the doctor erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle but with roman it's really simple so take care of it man seriously your lady's gonna appreciate this or your guy you know who knows (laughs) for a free online visit go to getroman.com slash bom that's getroman.com slash bom for a free online visit getroman.com slash bom so, Naima, obviously, we, we asked you to be here today because we're going to take a little music slant in today's episode. And uh, we're reviewing the documentary Hitsville, which is the story of Motown Records. And right before you came on, Naima, we we're just talking amongst ourselves. And I, I told the guys, you know, the, 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 obviously, there have been the Jacksons, an American Dream movie. There have been the Temptations movie. Uh, and, you know, there's some stuff that kind of, I think, is common knowledge about Motown, but I, I was surprised by how much I did not know yeah. uh, in, in terms of, of the, you know, the, the content that was in this. And, and I think most importantly, the thing that jumped out more than anything was how much of this stuff they had either video or audio of, like, these seminal moments in Motown history. They had video of the Jacksons audition. They had audio of them sitting around in a room saying, my girl. And the quality the control me. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, is this a hit or not? And you hear the people argue, basically, ah, I don't think it doesn't do it for me or whatever. And versus the other guys say it's 100% a hit. I can't believe you guys can't see it. And so I was really staggered by a lot of facts. But I think the thing I was most staggered by was how much shit they had. Like this, the actual recordings of all these things. And so obviously we turn to you as our music expert, Naima. Sure. How much of that shocked you? Um, very little. I've, I've, I know. Excuse me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Only because I, I know my, I'm no Motown story very well. Um, not just because I'm a music fan, but as a music executive, um, Motown is the template for urban artist development Motown is the template for making black music that with the intention of crossing over. Um, and Motown, like Barry and Smokey are kind of puffy and D dot. Um, in terms of like, you know, Smokey was not only one of the first writers and producers for the label. He was a VP at one time. He was at A&R at one time. He was, and, and he was one of the people who knew Barry's ear the best. But I think the thing, the reason I love this doc, and I was also surprised though, at the amount of um, archival material they had and that had, that I've never seen before and didn't know existed. Um, and curious as to why Barry's held on to it so long. Maybe he was waiting for the right format, the right documentary to put it in. Cause to your point, a real comprehensive Motown doc hasn't been done. There's been unsungs about artists. There's been, you know, the, the mini series about artists, there's been dream girls, which is based on Motown. 
there's been the Broadway musical, but there's not been something like this. Um, I do love that Barry and Smokey are both around to be in it. And so many of the artists are still around to be in it. But um, I think to your point, what people don't realize is that the story of Motown isn't, it's about the artists, it's about great artists, but it's about the label. It's about how Barry put the business together. And it's about the fact that it literally was a factory. It was a like, they would create songs, they would find them, they would was, give them to different artists until the right artist hit, got a hit with it. You know, it was, it was about the in-house production and the in-house writing yeah. and about everybody doing something until they got a shot. You know, Rick James was in there, um, doing random stuff until he finally got to be a session player and then finally got to be a singer. You know, almost nobody started as a star. Well, that's the funny thing you said as a factory. And I think nowadays we talk about successful labels or successful kind of music groups being a factory in the sense that, oh, they're putting out hit after hit. But right. Motown was an actual, like he, Barry Gordy worked at Ford and he yeah. took like all the sport process of and applied it to making music. Literally. It was, it was literally a factory in terms it, of, yeah. And it became, and, and, and he formulate, he made a hit, he created a hit to make, I mean, a formula to make hits. Like, we always talk about how, oh, you can't plan a hit. Oh, you can't try to create crossover. But that's exactly what Barry did. Like, Barry was like, if we have it, like, there was a there was um, a point in there, one of, one of the clips where he's like, well, if the sound was more polished, it could go more pop. Like, white people love Motown. Oh, that was Barry's intention. Barry's intention right. was not for this to just be music for black people. He wanted it to go pop. Um, and, and it, and it did so, you know, increasingly well. Um, but yeah, it, but, but that factory system, that formula system was for a long time, the model for artist development at labels until at least the nineties. Like you get them with one person and, and you have them dance. You get them with another person and you do, um, you know, um, media training. You get them with another charm person. school. Yeah. Charm school. You get them with another person and they do style in a wardrobe and you have them hang out and learn the ropes and they hang around the studio and they get to know what, and they jump on a song as a feature. And then maybe they're over here and then maybe they're over there. And, and, and then finally it's their turn. N now, Labels don't want to invest that kind of money. Artists come, they come with a bunch of material already done. They polish it up. They write some more songs. They may never see the producer. They may never be in the studio with the producer because they got the tracks emailed to them. Boom, it goes out. And maybe it's a hit. Maybe it's not. But that was the, but Motown set a standard. That was the formula for a very long time. And that is really the success of the label. Like those in-house writing teams, each one of them is legendary. Holland, Dozier, Holland, um, Ashford and Simpson, obviously like in and of themselves, they're legendary. The Funk brothers in and of themselves, they're legendary. Smokey in and of himself, he's legendary. Like that's really the Motown legacy. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's what, um, uh, it was a couple of things that stuck with me. Um, the footage of Stevie wonder as a child at the Apollo, and just commanding an entire crowd at 11 years old. At 11. And then, he made it and, up? And oh, then, like, he freestyled he it. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, my, my, my dad was a huge, obviously, like, they, like the, when they're talking about they wanted to make music for people born after World War II or whatever, like, they were just coming into the teen, teens in the 60s. Like, that's my father. 
my father was a huge Motown guy, and I had like I listened to all this stuff because we had the cassettes or whatever. And like, that, what's it called? Fingertips? Is that the name of the song? Yeah, fingertips. And, like to find out watching this that like <laughs> not only did he freestyled it at eleven fucking years old, and and, it, and, it, and then it went number one, and like, and they dropped it right. as a record, and it went number one. Like this, that's bizarre. Yeah, that, that 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 to me, I mean, is what stuck to me, right? Like, you know, the one name people, the Stevies, the Marvins, the Michaels, you know, Diana Ross, like, it, it, like I don't know why it made me think about the the chicken sandwich debate. <laughs> and why like, did it make me think about? I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. It's because God it's because it. people got on Twitter <laughs> and was like. It was like, oh, black people, y'all so simple and stupid. You get up here and you love chicken sandwiches like everybody else. Or, and, and you know, that conversation relates to why we always got to be musicians and athletes or whatever. And I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching this documentary. I'm like, what's so bad about being Stevie Wonder? Not that everybody who tries to be a musician is Stevie Wonder, but I'm like, shit, man, what these people accomplish is admirable. And, you know, that's something that you should try to um, strive towards if, they, if this is your chosen profession. That's what it made me think about, like, when people so, bitch about black pathology and this and that. I'm like, man, these people are truly special people who accomplish some incredible things pursuing the arts, right? I, I don't know. Like, that's what it made me think of. But so, okay. So, so the, this was a really cool thing because I remember, I can't remember what I was watching. Maybe it was when the Aretha Franklin died. But I was watching uh, an interview with someone there talking about like Smokey Robinson, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross. Like, all these people grew up like three blocks away from each other. Yeah, they all grew up in the same neighborhood. And like it's, 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 it's bizarre. And so I, was, I, like, <laughs> I remember thinking at the time, like, yo, how is this possible? How is this possible? And one of the things, it's not really an answer because these people are all musical geniuses, but but in, it, it was a little bit of an answer talking about how Detroit public schools the had music time, program, the best music program in the country. Yeah. And so all of these, and then like Ford Motor Company used to give tickets to the kids to go to the, the symphony and the Philharmonic or whatever. And so all of these kids, like these people who were Motown, they grew up in an environment where they were all classically trained and were exposed to, to not only just like the house of, of music making, but also like very yeah, different, different genre. Yeah. Well, also remember at that time, and they mentioned this in the doc, but you in every movie you ever see about um, music groups from the fifties and the sixties, everybody had a little doo-wop group on the corner. Everybody was doing school talent shows. Every, like it's what you did. Right. And um, the very first show I was ever on with you guys, we were talking about producers and I told you that I think that one of the the things that's most impacted, like the lack of musicianship in black music is is the decline in music in public schools. And it's I mean, think about how many people you hear about groups from the 50s all the way up to the 80s where they started with a band in high school or they played music in high school. Like this was access to instruments your parents maybe couldn't pay for. This was access to instruction this was exposure, things that you might not be able to get on your own. And that just doesn't exist largely anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you know, another thing that, that struck me too was, you know, the, the part, well, everybody knows the story about Marvin Gaye no longer to, wanting to be like a yeah. Frank Sinatra type of cat. And he wanted to make more artistic and more socially conscious stuff. And I just think like, 
<laughs> who's making protest music right now? Like, oh, like who is it? Kendrick. Um, but, but I Kendrick guess. and I think like, uh, I think Cole, Cole. It's uh, just like, different. It's just different kind of protest music. I just it's just not the same. And and those people originated protest music, right? So it's never right. gonna feel that's right fair. Just, well, and, and I think the the really interesting thing is that you know the the struggle for Marvin Gaye and really all the the Motown artists to be able to make music that wasn't, as we said a little bit earlier, music that makes white people feel good. Right, and that's what Barry fought against. Like, Barry didn't want to, you guys probably know this, but it's famously known, Barry did not want to put out what's going on. He hated it because it didn't have any radio hits in his mind, right? And um, it was like, what's going on was literally the first concept album. And, but, but without what's going on, Stevie would have never done Talking Book or Inner Visions or any of that because Marvin doing what's going on, Stevie's watching that and then Stevie's like, oh, I can go over here and do this other shit. You know, so it's, it really, the, the ecosystem of artists in Motown, we don't really talk about label families of artists like that anymore. There isn't that same kind of, right. they're watching each other, they're learning from each other, they're working with each other. There's big sibling, little sibling type of, relationship there um and it's a it's a shame like honestly watching that motown doc it kind of made me like sad that well absolutely because because a lot of it, so so one of the things they're talking about is competition within the within the label i right. took another competition breeds success but it can't get in the way of love you take love out of the picture you get ego and jealousy can destroy your organization right. so the idea wasn't just that the artists were competing against each other to, to put out a hit or to create a hit, that the songwriters were competing with one another uh, and the producers were competing with one another. And, and it's all about uh, Norman... Uh, Whitfield. Uh, Norman Whitfield, like, looking at the Temptations and saying, man, they got to get out of that smoky sound. I got I can do better. And so he started writing a couple of hits for him. But all the songs at the time, because Smokey had started with Eddie Kendrick as a lead, so every song after that was, like, Eddie Kendrick's a lead. And so Smokey said, all right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a song, and David Ruffin's going to be the lead. Right. And so, and so that's, that's how, like, the, the, the whole, like, you know, it's obviously it's a, with Motown, there's no way you can get in detail or in-depth about everything. But I was so happy that they went in-depth on how My Girl came, apart, came about, starting right. with My Guy by, uh, um, was it, not Martha. Was that Martha in the Vandellas? Was my guy Martha in the Vandellas? I can't remember. Um, but but either way, like that was a hit, and they were like, and he said, "I'm gonna write a song called My Girl," and everyone thought it was stupid, right? Like everyone, everyone thought he was stupid. So then he he he's, he wrote it with David Ruffin in mind, and uh, and then he talks about they're sitting there on, playing the the opening chords, uh, opening chords on the piano, and then uh, Jamerson starts playing the bass, like just fucking around, bang 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 bang. He was literally just fucking around. Like you just and he's like oh, I'm just messing around and they said no 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 do it again and so you do that and so we have footage again 
of them recording the song of, of right. young David Ruffin, clean David Ruffin. Sober, <laughs> sober David Ruffin. Sober, sober David Ruffin. Like, yeah, he seemed very like yeah, pre Ruffin. <laughs> pre without Ruffin, you ain't. Yo, I mean, but before you move on, you want to hear what's funny about that? It and you know to speak to what Naima mentioned earlier. I know for a fact, knowing some people who, and you know people who work in the music industry, that if you wrote a my guy today. They would absolutely tell you, yo, not, why don't you write a My Girl now? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's like, yeah. 150%, your label would be like, hey, man, why you think you could do a My Girl? Let's keep it like, going, yeah. They talked so about it. Uh, funny how that works. Yeah, yeah no, I bet, and, then, and then, like we mentioned earlier, after they write the song and the music, and by the way, Paul Reiser, like when, like when the extended bridge comes on, that's Paul Reiser. Who, by the way, again, shock of all shockers, he didn't like R and B. Right. Like, <laughs> was like, like, R&B like, is stupid. Yeah. Like, like he wanted to so make rap. He want, and that's why that, and that's like now it makes sense. Why does that song go into like this big orchestral sound with strings and and trumpets and all that? Like it just seems so off the beaten path of what the rest of the song was. And it's because Paul Reiser was like, yeah, this is the kind of music going to make. And so they they do this whole thing. And then they take it to quality control. And, and and like I said, it's crazy that we have the actual tapes of them sitting in a room around the table and basically saying yay or nay on this song, which, of course, turned out to be one of the, the biggest hits in the history of the, tapes of of the, the quality. The tapes of the quality control meeting might be my favorite part of this doc. Like having open with the quality control meeting and somebody being late and Barry being like, you got to go like that's. <laughs> It's, out, it's perfect. It's outstanding. And L.A. runs his meetings kind of like that still um, in terms of like going around playing songs and seeing what everybody thinks and um, all that type of stuff. Like it's just it's just really great history. Again, not even if just if you're a music fan, but if you are curious about the inner workings on how this business used to run, that's what I think makes this doc really so great. Does that not happen anymore, Naima? Not Quality control way. at least. Not the same way because there is, well, some labels keep kind of like, first of all, some labels don't trust everybody's input. Like there's separation of church and state between like once the song is done, it's done. Um, And, you know, A&R's intermingling with the marketing team and all of that, you don't always get that. Um, But smaller labels, I think, are still able to kind of do that. Like when I was at Epic, I was surprised that L.A. still ran his meetings that way. People have marketing meetings and label meetings, but it's more about talking strategy. It's not really an opportunity to raise your hand and be like, I don't like this song. Plus, or they're saying it's, it, it's cheaper or I now. think it's this other one. Right. It's it's this other one. You don't really That's need much money. It's a shorter run where you give it two weeks. It doesn't pop after impact. You move on. But yeah, that's, like, that's at the detriment of the artist. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the artist gets X number of shots and then it's like, eh, it didn't work. Because talking about it. To speak to what Naeem is saying, you know how they find these cats, especially like in, in, in hip hop or what rap, whatever we're calling it now. Um, you know, your shit pops on SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever. You got a little bit of buzz and numbers or whatever. They're like, all right, you have this baseline amount of numbers. The machine, if your shit is worth something, will be able to push it to X, Y, and Z. Right. Because we have confidence in the machine. And if it doesn't, then your shit wasn't that hot and we're moving on to the next thing. But it doesn't really cost them a lot to press up a bunch of shit and, you know, promote at radio and do all this stuff. 
And yeah. now it's about, I think we're about to see, a, I think we're starting to see a turn come back to artist development. But for the past several years, it's been about chasing a hit song, not about developing an artist. Because songs can go away. You need an artist if you actually want to get a return on investment. And that was the... Well, that's what, but the difference is with Motown and what used to happen yeah. is that you had artists in the incubator. It was like you had a farm team system, right? You had artists in the incubator. They'd be good for a feature. They'd be good for some backgrounds. And then once they were ready for prom time, like you, you put them, you know, you send them up to the majors but and that doesn't not, happen. Anymore. Isn't that funny though? By the way, first of all, that Motown, like Barry Gordy is very clear. Our mission was to make hits. So they were chasing hits too. They, it's not like they were like, no, we're. We're we're in it for the like for the culture. We want like deep introspective albums, or whatever. they wanted hits too. It, but it was like there was a little bit more attention to the artist development. But the other thing that was funny: how many people who were Motown artists who started as like the admin, or like they started actually right. working there before who they started got, as like, like doing hand claps in the booth for a track. You know what I mean? Like or they just call people from the hallway. Come in, guys. Yeah. Like, us, like, yeah, the, the one homie started on the tambourines. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, man. that's amazing. It's a, it's a lot. What happened with the Supremes? Like they were too young. Barry kept sending them home. They kept coming back and they were like, you can come in and do like do some hand claps. You know what I mean? Or something like that. You can answer the phone. Then you can do whatever. It was just like, everybody do whatever around here. And when your shot comes, if you're here, when we're doing it, we'll poke our head out of the studio. You get an opportunity. Like, the story with Martha doing Dancing in the Street. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I'll sing it. Like, she, yeah. she literally, like, like, we need something to sing. I'll sing that shit. Like, it's, and imagine, because of union re- regulations. But, ima- but imagine that. Like, imagine... Like, man, I can't wait for my shot. And then, like, something... Like, the, the closest modern-day version... Well, the, the closest modern-day version of that I can think of is, like, the story that Akon tells about, like, he had this song, and they just didn't know how to flip it. And, like, the intern was like, why did you do it like this? And he said, go get in the booth and sing it. So the intern sang it, and as soon as she came out of the booth, he's like, here, sign this deal. And uh, the song was Just Dance, and the intern was Lady Gaga. <laughs> like, like... Wow. Yeah, like it's it's a crazy story, and that's why Akon is a billionaire, or whatever. Because like literally, like every Lady Gaga thing, like that motherfucker, like got himself a nice Barry Gordy chunk of of all of all uh all her stuff. But um, but yeah, like that doesn't happen anymore. I don't. I feel like it, it's impossible to happen. You know, you know what else doesn't happen anymore? I mean, they they had a lot of black executives, women. How about like so? Yeah, that's, that's, that was the next. Me well, there aren't the a next, lot of black executives, period, anymore. But that's all another. That's you know. But, no, but that's uh, but that's 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 what I want to I want to talk about that the idea like the diversity of the management team at at uh, Motown with not just in terms of like you guys said black but also number of women in positions of power and um, and obviously many of them were his sisters but like other people. Uh, who were able to input and then also like Suzanne the past who was still yes. like here doing stuff decades TV. later. Yeah, she's a she's a huge. I know, I've always known her as a TV producer. I never knew she got to start in, in music. Yeah, and so like, oh, but like the funny thing was them talking about because for many of them they all came up through Motown. They didn't know any better. So they didn't realize like, that this was that, different that was from everywhere else. Yeah, and it's still it's, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. It's still not normal. To have that diverse of a, a management oh. team. It's still not normal. I will, I'm going to go back to, well, I'll look at Bad Boy and LaFace. Um, 
I think that Bad Boy and the Face were probably the closest later examples that really kind of mirrored Motown in terms of the closeness in-house, keeping production and writing and all of that other stuff, like really tightening. Was that on purpose? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was done on purpose, like, like was, literally, like, um, I mean, on purpose, like, oh, we want to do it like Motown did it. Well, no, I don't know if it was necessary. Well, I think that, I think LaFace was probably, I think L.A. and Babyface almost definitely looked at Motown because that's only, at this point, you're only a f- maybe a decade out of Motown's height, right? Um, Motown still exists at this point, even though it exists in a different iteration. Um, I think that any music executive of the 80s considered Barry like the 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 icon to look to, the model to look to, right? Um, especially if you are a black label founder. Barry Gordy is the original. Um and then so I'm I'm pretty sure and but LA and Face also had a relationship with Dick Griffey. So I think the two of they looked to both of them. Um but Mo, but again like I said before Motown was really like the blueprint in terms of how you run the business, not just in terms of the output, but in terms of how you run the business. And the thought was, the more you keep it concentrated in-house, granted, some people would say that that stagnates, but what it actually does is provide for more collaboration, more opportunity to do stuff across with each other, um, and more opportunity to grow. Like, if you ever hear, D, to skip over the babble, if you ever hear D-Dot talk about the hitmen, you know, you had... Stevie and Chucky and Mario, who are actual musicians, but then you had Nash, who had a really gritty kind of production style, and Ron, who had a really kind of technical production style, and Derek, who was really like a rapper, but could do some other stuff. And they were all like teach each other different equipment, teach each other different styles, teach each other how to flow different ways, you know, to like, the same thing, like the competition, like, oh, he just got a hit with this. I got to get a hit with that. Oh, that track is crazy. I got to outdo that, but still for the greater good of like the whole thing. And when you take that away and you just got different producers sending in tracks and camp, like, I don't think we, do we even have any production camps anymore? Do they exist? We have production crews. Um, uh, I would say, real? like, Waz, would you, would you say Dreamville a little bit like that? Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, especially they, when you consider like Cole was making so much of his own stuff before, right? And between Ron and 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 you and know, Deputy Elite and, and Omen and, and Depp, yeah, yeah. And, like there's a few people, and, but I don't I don't know if it's the same thing. Uh, it's like not, it's most of them, like duos. Yeah, I don't it's know. Not, if it's not the can. same. It's not the same. Like it's a little because obviously they have the shelter and they go they go do a lot of stuff there, and then they got the, right. the stuff out here in LA that they do. Where they they'll have the artists and and people all be there, but again it's it's kind of it's it's funny because I I watching documentary and and watching all this stuff about you know how they were all there and how when Barry Gordy said we're gonna move to L A, Smokey Robinson said that's the worst idea because everybody's right here we need to keep it <laughs> and it reminded me of the uh, Revenge of the Dreamers which was a big deal that they got everybody in the studio for like a week or whatever in Atlanta to to work on this. And and I'm like most times like no that's that was their whole thing yeah like you you were there you weren't kind of like just 
you know, technology obviously aside, and technology. Yeah, and it's just different now. I mean, like you, you even something like OVO, where it's like forty, yeah. of course, who doesn't, who actually doesn't work with anybody else but Drake. But there's Boy Wonder, there's T minus, right. you know, the other Toronto cats, but they're like independent contractors. Like, right. if Schoolboy or Kendrick calls Boy yeah. Wonder for a beat, he's like, yeah, I got something yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's just a different culture. Speaking of diversity, by the way, I yes. think one of the biggest oh, shots. Can I, I interrupt have... real quick? I'm sorry. Oh, I just yes, want to say. I'm sorry. I did want to say. Bad. I, I realized I didn't answer the initial question. Bad Boy and LaFace did both have a lot of female executives in addition right. to the male executives. That was your question. So yeah, yeah. and and young executives and and women calling the shots. And I think the difference is like the artists also knew all the label executives, all of them. Mm. Not just not just your promo person, not just your A&R, like you knew everybody. Mm. And if you have in-house producers, even your producers, like I was an intern at Bad Boy. I knew all the hitmen because I, because everybody would go to the studio. You know what how I mean? Many so people, just, how many How many people were working there? Not artists. Oh shit, I don't know because there used to be so many people there that you couldn't be really sure who <laughs> worked. In that. And also that was when Bad Boy Street Team was at its height and I don't even remember how many people were actually in the street team. So I will say this, my very first day at Bad Boy, my, um, cause I started as an intern, my experience in interning before that had been like paid interns where you're shadowing an executive and it's very organized. And I walked into the office and like the um, street team was playing softball in the hallway, which was <laughs> like inside. Um, it was like Shanda Butcher, who was one of the guys on the, on the street team in June Balloon and somebody else were like playing softball right past the receptionist desk. And then the phone rang and Mike B, who now is a fashion designer, used to work for Groovy Lou, like poked his head up from his cubicle and yelled way down the hallway at somebody else like, yo, what's your extension? And like transferred. So I'm, this is all happening as soon as I walk in and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So it wasn't a huge office. No, it was, it was kind of big. We had two offices and then it consolidated into one, but it was, it was small enough for everybody to know everybody and everybody to be family. Wow. Um, so a couple of other diversity notes. Here's one. Uh, Neil Young was signed to Motown. No fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, I have no fucking I idea. Was that for about ten seconds? Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny him talking about because they were talking about the artist development. They that's the portion of the documentary <laughs> talking about artist development, and he's talking about like how they're trying to like teach them how to dance and how to do stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, this ain't gonna work out." Um, <laughs> He was honest. He was like, boy, we was the most least developed artist in the history of artists developed. (laughs) Well, that's the other funny thing about Smokey Robinson. Like, there's a big joke that the motherfucker could dance. So, like, just stand over there and sing. (laughs) Like, and and by the way, like, Naima, I'm sure you knew this. Waz, did you know? Like, I knew Smokey wrote a lot of shit. I had no idea he was like, it was that, that they were that, like, Yo, man, I can't lie. I'm not a, a black music historian as much as I should be. Um, I mean, I know who he is. Obviously, I know he's a legend. And but you knew he's he wrote, right? accomplished. I, yes, I knew he wrote records. I didn't realize oh, he was like the was engine a... to this whole yeah. thing that happened. Like, I didn't, yeah, never like, realized that. Well, well the, the funny thing, the funniest story that he told was like, it made me feel stupid. When they talk about the Jackson 5, and said, when we came to audition, we sang nothing but Motown songs. And we are singing them to the people whose songs they were. So it was like a lot of pressure or whatever. And they talk about uh, Michael singing Who's Loving You, 
and Smokey wrote. That's Smokey, but like, and but Smokey said something about like, I'll you know I'll perform this song, and people say, why are you singing Michael Jackson song? He said, I wrote it for Michael Jackson. <laughs> Right. But, but like in a weird way, he realized like Michael took it to a place that he never could have. I was like, man, that's, that's Michael's song now. And right. I was just, it, that blew me away. Like, I was like, oh shit, I never knew it was a Smokey Robinson song. Smokey, yeah, and, I mean, Smokey is like one of the, he is considered, if, if for people of a, music fans of a certain age of music historians, Smokey is considered like one of the most talented and prolific songwriters in American music, period, not just black music. Oh, yeah. No, I have, absolutely. I mean, like, again, when you see like the, the list of like hits that this dude wrote, like it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, the other thing was like the concept of them writing songs and for one artist and then it didn't work out and then refixing the song. Yeah, and so they talked about there was there was another example earlier that they had, but then later in the documentary they talked about heard it through the grapevine that that uh, it was like originally Gladys had it first, so she she sang no, it publicly. It was, first. They know they they wrote it. Yeah, they wrote it for Marvin. Barry said no. Then they took it and they gave it to Gladys Knight. She sang it in a completely different way. Completely. Like complete, it's like an upbeat song. I uh, heard it through the grapevine. I'm like, what the hell song is this? And then afterward, they wait, had you that. never heard Gladys's version? No, I, all I know is it all I know the No, it was but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's so crazy. It, it was a completely different song, even though like obviously the lyrics are the same. But even okay. if you listen, like the melody is kind of the same. It's just the tempo is different, it's, different yeah. instruments or whatever. So, it's not, there's a few songs like that in Motown. If you look between the Supremes, um, Marvin, Marvin's early stuff when they used to have Marvin do duets and all that, they would put out the same songs and it would be like the same year they have different artists. And yeah. like Marvin and Gladys's was only was less than a year apart. So it might even be the same year they would have different artists put out the same songs. Like it was nothing. They had um, the Supremes. And the four tops have done the same song, but they would change up the arrangements right. so crazy so that they would feel completely different. Right, and and so, and, and so like yeah, it wasn't a cover. It was literally uh, it was it's, just it's, do it's, your version. Yeah, it was just like here's your song. You do it. It's a, you do yeah, it. it's a happen. different song. It's a different song. Yeah. but it's the same song. I don't know. The the other thing where I felt kind of dumb was uh, it's something I should have known for all my life, but. It, it took them actually saying it that Barry Gordy said, "You got to hook them in the first ten seconds." So it won. That's why all those songs had like that's big entrances. Yeah, like that. The, I know you wanna leave me. Like all of those things were on purpose. I, I didn't know that. I thought it was just like ah, like I never even like processed that this was something that was happening. I just I, thought that was a song. And that's the important point. Um, I mean that all of this stuff was intentional, right? It, like it speaks to their savvy, their musicianship. Like, bro, I know what the hell I'm doing. This wasn't happenstance. This is this speaks to my ability. Was. So I have a question. Did you guys know that Barry himself was such a writer and producer? No, no, I'm not, absolutely not. I thought he was just the like the business. I guy. thought I thought he was. I, I knew he was a record man. Obviously, he had an ear, right? Like right. Um, a, a different example in a different way is like Birdman, right? Like all these people he signed to Cash Money who ended up being very incredible artists. Like he had to know that they were their music was good. 
We don't right. think about Birdman as a music man, as a record man, but he is. He clearly knew what he had with Lil Wayne and Juvenile and all of these cats. Um, and even after that, um, but I thought Barry Gordy was some somebody in the same mode. Like I know what I'm hearing when I yeah. hear it, but I didn't realize the man was he had a crazy pen too. That's that's just incredible. Uh, and 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 instruments playing like melodies and all. And by the way. This is a dude who worked in Ford, like he's a he's a fucking factory yeah, guy. Factory, like that, that's a, a wild thing. But but beyond but the vision, like he, he also had a musical had written talent. a hit for Jackie Wilson. I think is it before he went yes. to Ford, right after Ford, or something like that. Yeah, it was while he was at Ford. Right, I think, like he wrote that. Like that's the beginning of the documentary. Talking about that's how that's how he got his break was because like when he met Smokey Robinson, he oh, right. introduced himself. Smokey wrote Jackie, right. Well, and the Smokey was like, hey, I'm Barry Gordy. He's like, the Barry Gordy that wrote the Jackie Wilson song, da da da. Like, Smokey Robinson was starstruck about meeting Barry Gordy when Barry Gordy was like literally still working at Ford. So uh, it's just, it's, it's such a, uh, man, I, I was, I was so blown away by this documentary. One of the things I love the most is that it is so hard to tell an old story in a new way, right? Motown has been celebrated. The history's been run down. Like y'all said, the artists have been celebrated. So to hear new perspectives on how it came together and to hear like a genuine origin story that you feel like is new information, that's a gift. That doesn't, that's hard to do. That's really good story. Well, but, but, but Naima, I think there's something important to point out. It's never been done about Motown. True. We never, right, like, right, and, right. and given that they had all that, Oh man, think about they had the Jackson Five audition on tape. You know I don't what, think y'all are not nearly as blown away as I am by that. You, like you they, they know, have a video you know of this. What though I mean, I'm I'm actually because I've seen the OJ doc. I, I want I want the OJ doc treatment. Give me six parts, hour and a half each part. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it like no, but seriously, like you could really do it with all the material and the history and all the accomplishments, like they kind of had to just gloss over Stevie Wonder's like dominant, ridiculous run. Right. Cause it's in the context of Motown. Like they had to gloss over how big some of this stuff were. The you, Jackson five part was just, it, I'm sorry. Yeah. Footnote. It was. <laughs> the Jackson but, five but, was a footnote. But let in me this. ask you this was, what was something that you were waiting? Oh, I can't wait till they get to this. And they never got to it. And Naeem, I'm asking um, the same question after that. There was nothing. My, what I was really looking forward to was the Marvin stuff. Right. That, that, that's my brother's, my older brother's favorite artist ever. Um, I remember him having the, uh, uh, the the Marvin Gaye greatest hits, all of that in the house. Like, he just loved Marvin Gaye. And, you know, I had a little bit of knowledge of his history went back when he had the conk and all of that. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, that's what I was most looking forward to. And obviously they got into it, but, but he's such a complex, interesting figure and character. That's what I mean. Like, I would love to get more Marvin stuff, you know, more Stevie, obviously more Michael stuff. Like, that's just, that's just me. What, uh, I, I what about you? Um, I don't think the doc itself missed anything I would like to see. But the thing about, you know... Again, we've seen stuff on the temps. We've seen stuff on the Jacksons. Um, but every there are so many other Motown artists who deserve a deeper dive, not just on paper, but on film, like Marvin. Rick um, James. Like Rick. That's what I was going to say next. Like Rick, um, even in terms of how, because like Rick saved the label. The label was going to go under if not for Rick. Um, 
Rick saved the label because like all the, the Jacksons were gone. Um, you know, Diana was gone. Like all the hit makers who created the Motown sound were gone except for Stevie and Rick came in and like changed the whole trajectory. Um, what they did with Tina deciding to put Tina Marie's first single out, you know, without her picture on the cover, just all that type of stuff. And then even, you know, going deeper into, um, you know, the relationships there between the artists and how many people, like how many people ended up with strained relationships with Barry. I've always said when Barry Gordy dies, the biopic, the biopic that's going to come when Barry Gordy dies is going to be some other shit. Cause I don't know how well you guys know there's a TV show called unsung that comes on TV one. And it's basically about artists that aren't well celebrated, but for like the first three seasons, I feel like half the artists every season were Motown artists who died like broke and penniless because ultimately it was about Barry fucking their money up because Barry was getting paid off the producers. He was getting paid off the writers. Barry had Barry would manage them and they were signed to the label and Motown had like four subsidiary labels under it was like Tamala, something else, something else. It was like four labels under Motown. So Barry that was, was, that was briefly uh, touched upon. Yeah. Like you yeah, started seeing those hot. names. I was like, I've never heard of that. What's that? Well, not, right. not only that, but also like they, they touched upon like uh, the Holland brothers leaving and like yeah. and, and Stevie Wonder threatening to leave once he turned 20. Like they yeah. kind of touched on like, yo, Barry, you were fucking people over. Yeah, like Holland don't know how they got a big old lawsuit. Like it was a whole, yeah, yeah it was a whole thing. Yeah, no, that's 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 funny. Like I, I did thought, you know, obviously they they produced it, so I knew it wasn't gonna get too dirty. I was actually surprised that they even touched upon the um, the inner office relationship angle. Uh, well, they've never really shied away from it. So I know you, you guys have seen Dreamgirls, right? Yeah, of course. You know, Dream Girls is the Motown story. Yeah, it's Diana so Ross's, whatever her yeah. name is. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the whole thing, like, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Um, what's the comedian's name? Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Not Eddie Murphy. Jamie. Oh. Jamie's supposed yeah. to be Barry. Yeah. So, um, so like, there's, a, there's that whole thing. Then Motown, the musical on Broadway, which was also, which Barry also had his hand in, it starts right before the Motown, that big Motown 25th anniversary where Michael Jackson first did the moonwalk, yeah. like the TV special and Barry sitting in his office pouting that he's not going to go because he feels like all the artists abandoned him because they don't fuck with him. And Suzanne, the past basically coming in and being like, get your ass up and come to the award show and him thinking back on the entire leg and then Smokey coming in and being like, you got to get up and come on. But him thinking back over the so entire that's legacy. On, that's based on a true story. I mean, it's based roughly on, you know, Barry's relationships with the artists in Motown's history. I don't know if Barry was actually not going to come to right. the, the special, but that's how it sets up with, like, Barry feeling like, you know, none of his artists love, you know, all his artists had abandoned him and he fucked it up and, you know, all that other stuff right Man, on the eve of yeah, Barry anniversary. was truly puffed before puff. Yeah. Raping you, raping you. <laughs> I also like sometimes I look at Barry because because Barry is old as hell and looks. They, they look good. They, like, uh, they look surprisingly. Like, did you like did like considering all your artists that died and you still sit here looking good and chilling and right out? No, it's a lot. But I, I was staggered, <laughs> but like how many people are still alive and looking relatively. Like they got their shit together. 
Like they got publishing checks? Like, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, they, they, that's they, a, they look like life is has not beaten them down. Like they yeah. got publishing checks. Yeah, that's no, that true. makes sense. Now, now that I think about like all the people we saw, yeah, <laughs> they're the ones, they're the ones that got mm, like that's that's yeah. probably it. When the residuals. That's what residuals look like. Those are the ones who are getting the checks. I, but I have a question: Did you, did did y'all not feel like Diana Ross was conspicuously absent? Yes, she did. yeah, Diana wasn't doing that shit. Yeah. I also think Diana, I think Diana's thing is too touchy. Like Diana will still celebrate Motown. She did it for the Grammys, but you know. Mm-hmm. Diana doesn't just have a relationship with Barry. She has a relationship with Barry. Yeah, like they have yeah. together. You know what I mean? They, like it's they a were whole, having sex with each other. Yeah, mm. it's a whole other level. I think there. And and Barry was mad when she left too. You know, so it's like yeah. Stevie yeah. never left. I think that's another thing. I don't think anybody who was in the interview ever actually. Left. Stevie never really left Motown. Well, Holland Dozier Holland left. Yeah, uh, they bring us out later. And then uh, who else was interviewed that wasn't? Uh, there was someone else because I I remember thinking, oh, that's cool that they decided to to come back. Oh. And I can't remember who, but someone else. There was you're right. Most everybody there were like the lifers who never left. Right. But there was like a couple a couple of uh, a couple of exceptions. But no, any it was it was phenomenal. Oh, I also wanted them to mention uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon at some point. But, but in, in, oh, this was actually a retrospect, a great horrible movie. It's a really bad movie. Yeah, it's great. Don't you don't you don't you guys there? Uh, Naima, uh, yeah. speaking of great horrible, have you been watching Power this season? You guys know what? I never got into Power. Well, you know, God bless you. God you bless saved you. yourself a lot of a lot of heartache. What about what about the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. You've been watching that? The Righteous Gemstones? What is that? Oh, Eddie Naima. McBride, Naima. It's, oh. it's, it's, it, let me tell you something. It's about a mega church in okay. South Carolina. Oh, I heard of it. I've, oh. seen the, I've seen the previews for it when I've been watching Succession. Oh, yes. okay. Yes, I need to watch it. You, you need, need to watch. It's, it's, and, it's too good. I need to watch it. And because, we, 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 well, let sorry, me, let's that. welcome in, let's welcome in Trey right now because let's, Let's talk about this show. Let's talk a little bit about the Naima and then get into this week's episode. It seems hilarious. Oh, it, it, it's it's amazing. Go ahead, watch. No, um, <laughs> because I know Naima has a has a church background, and whether you went to a mega church or not, like if you've if you've been involved in church communities before, this show is going to speak to you. <laughs> like it's it's going to. And it's just, I don't know, it's fantastic. Danny McBride I'm, clearly has like a command of this subject matter. It, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, someone who has no knowledge of churches other than what I see on TV mm. and in the movies, it is still an amazing show. Dude, like, that stuff with the youth ministry stuff, uh, that my is, man. oh my, that is, that he's nailing it on the head, dude. So, <laughs> before we get into the youth ministry part, my favorite scene of all was when they're sitting at dinner with, which is clearly supposed to be the Chick Fil A people, but they call him what's it called, Nancy Chicken or whatever. Nancy's Chicken. And and they're all talking, and uh, Danny McBride's wife says, "You know, I come from a rural background," and and the sister says, "Rural means poverty person." <laughs> and, and, and Danny, Danny McBride defends his wife by saying. 
So she grew up in the mud. <laughs> like, he said, hey, don't talk to her. Like, so what? So she grew up in the mud. This, this is a fucking wild way to describe someone who grew up poor. And then uh, the, the fiancé says, well, you know, we, I grew up in a middle class. We weren't, we, we, uh, we weren't, we, were, we weren't rich or we also weren't poor. And then he said, we also kind of don't care because it's a boring origin story. <laughs> oh my god man. that whole dinner scene and then my man uh baby billy <laughs> i'm sorry i got the shot i'm so far away they're like keeping all of your rich christian friends at that end of the table i don't know who's doing the seating charts oh man it's it's just fucking phenomenal that whole scene right there yeah i, I you know I, th- I was waiting for us to start hanging out with the devil worship homie like yeah. i knew that that angle was there for a reason? That whole little spot that they pulled up to was crazy. Niggas was getting neck. Niggas, <laughs> yo, it was, niggas yo. was popping off in there. Like, I'm like, like, yo, yo. these devil worship parties are kind of lit. Yeah, how about the, the opening scene when they tell them, like, yo, we're going to have this party, da da da. And then Cryptocore plays his. By the way, Cryptocore is a fucking name. It's just <laughs> amazing. But Cryptocore starts playing the song, and then they all start doing the golf dance that, like, okay. And they would. Did y'all notice they did the exact goth, like the same dance from that video that we've seen a million times with like every single rap song put over? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so they start. They all start doing the exact dance. By the way, I don't even the... know if those people are goth or not, but they look know. like it, and That's it's dubbed right. over rap, so we just laugh yeah. at them. But yeah. <laughs> White people dancing very oddly and dressed very oddly with a makeup on. That's, that's, that's got to me. Like, I don't know. We don't know what their belief system is. No. We don't know anything. We just know they look like something we think is God. <laughs> that's good enough. You're sick. What? Hey, why the fuck are you wearing glasses anyway? It's fashionable. Is it fashionable to look like Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> bro, the best part was when he was explaining the emojis, bro, and over the email. <laughs> Mandy, oh, you're right. Water squirt emoji doesn't even come. It was a joke oh, about ejaculate. Water squirt emoji. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing that I think is cool, too, because obviously East Town, East Town, East Down and Bound was dope on um, Vice Principals. But HBO clearly upped the budget on him and he's able to do like his same tone of comedy with just bigger production values. And I think, you know, the work is is actually gaining from that shit, because like I said, like I'm. It's hilarious, bro. It's his same tone. Like, it's his same attitude from the previous two shows. Like, he's he's essentially playing the same character. He, he plays but the same character every new, time. Yeah, but it's a new setting. So it's – and in this setting, because, like, like the, the whole culture of mega church is over the top and nothing is subtle. Everything is banging you over the head. It's just fantastic. It's perfect, bro. I think I think uh, the lesson here is that I need to be telling the truth. That's not the lesson here. <laughs> the lesson here is log out of your fucking computer accounts. <laughs> yeah, how how crazy is that though? Like the dude left a bunch of emails in there <laughs> where he's incriminating as fuck. But for them to explain it as what is ATL? ATL is a film starring Ti. <laughs> Yo, I would. By the way, I didn't see that one coming. I should have. <laughs> Yeah. But I didn't see it coming. He said Chad was referencing the size of the breasts of some of the African-American actresses. <laughs> the fact that he called them African-American, like, whenever he's trying to be, like, polite or, like, <laughs> like official, 
He says just the wildest shit. He's like, yeah. he's actually, he was referencing the size of some of the African-American actresses. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's man. Um, his wife is killing me. Um, cause like what that actress is doing, like playing somebody who's playing dumb is, is so dope to me. Like that's, that's a hard thing to pull off. Cause sometimes that can come off as over the top. It's like, come on, this chick's not this naive or whatever, but like, right. I, I, I love what she's doing, man. But it, you know, the ATL shit just took me out, and <laughs> we were just talking about Diana Ross and her son is in that movie. But yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a wild drop. Just to just <laughs> randomly say, yeah, it's a movie, you know, about you know, it's PG, and he was really it's on IMDb. He was on IMDb. He pulled up you know, IMDb. you know what's crazy is that niggas is really getting that off today. Wives like when they get caught up, like niggas is trying to overly explain and 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 deep dive into like a good alibi and. Some niggas might get off on it, but I did. Yeah, he, he Yo, was sick. He was sick for that one, bro. How many? The, here's the funny part: How many white people literally didn't get the reference? Oh um, man, it had to oh, be I'm a like, bunch I'm of pretty, people. Oh, I'm pretty on. sure, but I'm pretty sure now ATL is gonna get some oh, some some views. Some streams, oh, they yeah. gonna get some streams. They gotta get some streams. Dope movie, by the way. I loved ATL. I, I thought it was com- dope it, at the confusing. time, and I haven't watched it in a minute. I got don't say hustle and flow. Roll back. Oh, <laughs> like there's roller skating and they live in Atlanta or some shit. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I feel like this, this is the moments where I feel like uh, Le- DiCaprio's character in Django. Like why do they call him Eskimojo? I don't know. He caught a cold <laughs> or something. <laughs> how does how do these niggas come up with these names? Like that's how I feel right there. Like ATL roll bounce. I don't know. It's something about roller skating and being in Atlanta. <laughs> um, the uh, Wait, are you guys? Um, what are you, what, what are you I was gonna ask, have you guys been watching um, the Wu, the new Wu Hulu show and American nah. Soccer? I know not. Is that that started already? Like, the yeah, the, they the, dropped the, the, the first version, they dropped the first three episodes last Wednesday, and now it's okay. gonna be every Wednesday. So, tell episodes. us, have you watched it? Tell Wait, us, about I it. Have. Hold, on, hold on, is it is it is it gonna drop one episode every week or now? So, they put the first okay. three episodes up last week, and now it's gonna be one episode a week. I think it's great. Um, it is a uh, talking about origin story, so it is like a genuine origin story, it's not like a scripted version of the Mikes and Men, oh, you know, docuseries. It starts back. Before Wu was even formed, back kids, when right? like, well, not quite. Like, if this starts like maybe in the in the months leading up to RZA coming up with the idea for Wu Tang, um, and it's really more about like the environment that pushed them together. So Devon's, um, you know, selling drugs, and um, they're the oh my god. Um, the Park Hill um, projects going against the Stapleton houses because they were both from like the crew was from different projects and like and you don't even what I actually do like about it but I think some people don't is that you have to figure out who's who because most of them aren't going by their rap right. music they're like Clifford and uh, yeah so you know, like, like Russell not even that, and- like. You well, you well. Davies plays such a good meth that you know he's meth off top, and the kid who plays Old Dirty, you know, it's him because he looks exactly like him. But like the guy who plays Raekwon, he's not even going by Raekwon's government name; he's going by Shah because Raekwon was 
Raekwon Sha Lil, whatever, but that was his that wasn't his government name, that was whatever. So you're like, who the fuck is Sha? And um Ghost is Dennis, which well, if you knew their names, you know yeah. that's his name. But like ODB is Asan, which was uh which was his five percenter name. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. you have to know you can't just know what their given names were. You have to know, like I've been trying to figure out who the fuck is Inspector Deck forever. Um, it took me forever to figure out the kid was this kid was supposed to be Jizza genius because he had like two other names before that. So it, it a, makes you his, a little bit. What was his name? It was, what was his original. His original something. It was. He had, no, I was talking about like when no. he had when he his first when he dropped that first terrible song. Remember like the first song that wasn't. Before they realized they should like have a, a theme, oh, like yeah, wow. what was the name of it? You know, like it, it, oh man, because I remember every time I hear that song, I'm like Jesus. I, I you would never tell me this guy was gonna be one of the greatest lyricists ever. <laughs> oh, it was it was that bad. It was like a party song, which is what makes it oh, funny. Was that? No, that was um RZA's song, right? Was it, it RZA's song? Love you, we, was... love you, we love you, Rocky. That one. <laughs> there was that one, but then and there was. I got too many women. Yeah. Yeah. Insane, whatever that was. But that was Rizzo, I think. Oh man, I, yeah, I think I think we got to get on that. Like, here's it, it's funny. This is this is why I was kind of thumbs down on it because I thought it was a binge, and so this is actually a topic that we were going to talk about last week, and we just didn't get around to it. But uh, Trey, was it you that saw that article that said Netflix is considering on yes. switching oh, their weekly. their yeah to weekly instead of instead of all at once, and Trey, your response was like, boo, and I'm like, you're wildin', man. Like, who's got time to sit here and watch 10 hours in all in a row? I, I like I like when they drop, like, think about, like, the anticipation. I ain't got no wrong. kids. No, but it ain't about having kids, though. Like, I'm talking about, like, like ultimately, yeah, we all want to watch these shows for our own enjoyment, but I think there's a big part of the enjoyment of did y'all see it? Did you see the latest episode of everybody having that conversation? Think about Game of Thrones, thinking about any of these big shows that have come out on a one once a week format. The conversation you get in the building of the anticipation as opposed to someone, oh, did you watch Mindhunter? I'm like, no. Like, oh, was like, all right, like, well then that's it. Like, you're not gonna talk to me about Mindhunter three weeks from now or a month from now when I'm done watching it. So, so, I, you, like, so you want the conversation back. I like the conversation. Don't, don't you? talk to people. We do it about a week. We recorded. I mean, <laughs> no, you sound no. you sound you sound like me right now, man. You the old you the old man on the on the yeah, ball. Right? It's not it's not about it's don't, not don't no, no but hold on. Don't push no, no, no. binge culture. Bro. No, 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 no. But no, no. But binge culture doesn't allow for the conversation. That's all I'm saying. Listen, like, binge culture it, is great for people with schedules, bro. Like at at this point, like I look at it like. If I don't want to watch TV on that particular day and I can't really get to it, and I really just want to just sit there and I don't have nothing oh, going, I can I'm just not, go. I can dive deep in it. I'm not. Yeah, but I'm not saying like you got to watch it at nine o'clock, and if you don't watch it, then you fucked up. I'm just saying the idea that we have a week for everybody to watch this but I'm episode. Saying I'm pro binge culture. All the shows that I consume that I've been kind of like recommended have all been binge ish. You know what I mean? Where I'm just sitting there getting like, like when I caught up on Succession, when I caught up on Game of Thrones, like every TV show, like I still got to watch, uh, what's the shit? Um, Breaking Bad. I've never oh, seen Breaking Bad. 
Well, yes, You've never awesome. seen Breaking Bad. Me neither. Oh, you guys, you had over Christmas break. It's gonna. But see, these are. But see, these are things that <laughs> I don't. You know what I mean? Like I only watch TV shows that are suggested. I'm not like checking for shows. But you know now, I'm, like, I'm, I'm saying like you right are, now, right, Righteous Gemstones is on. You like it? You you're bought in? This is a good show. You don't enjoy like that. Every week we come back and we like fucking nah, because I got football now, it. so it's like it kind of clashes with shit now. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to fit everything in, <laughs> I just don't have time. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I get it though. You know what I mean? I get where you're coming from as well. Like on the, the weekly conversation of like building up. Like me and you Not- talked a little bit about uh, righteous gemstones over Instagram, but like you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna like tap in and be like, yo, did anybody, you know what I mean? Because everybody you now, anti, bitch, you know, everybody bitches and complains bro. about spoiling and shit. Like, you I don't, anti-social, I don't talk social, bro. <laughs> you anti-social. I am, Naima, Naima, what's your, what's your take? Binge or week by week? Um, I think it depends. I do still appreciate the suspense of week by week. I don't always have the patience for binging, but the hardest thing for me is that I have to start it one way or the other way. So like, if I start with binging, it's eat, and then I have to go to week by week. That's hard. Like if you watch the whole two and a half seasons in two days, and then all of a sudden you got to wait like week by week to watch the last on the four episodes. That's painful. Um, but I also don't mind like there being something because if all we did was binge, there would inevitably be times where there just was nothing to watch, like absolutely nothing at all whatsoever. And then what we do? Do any of you guys ever feel like? Like, for instance, Breaking Bad is a great example. I've never watched Breaking Bad either. Everyone says, oh, you got to watch it. And I look at it. It's like six seasons. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to get them six. Like, and just so, like, just don't, I don't feel an, like any impulse. Right. Yeah, for Breaking Bad, I think Breaking so Bad was the first. I think Breaking Bad was the first series that I really did a full binge on. Like, I started, it was, um, A&E was showing a marathon of it right before the series ended. And I just was watching it over Christmas break and I just watched the whole thing. And then I went, I think Amy only went up to a certain point. And then I went and got a VPN because the last, the last half of the last season wasn't on Netflix yet. I got a VPN logged into Netflix from like saying I was like in London or something. Cause it was available overseas, but yeah. not here. So I could watch the end of it. Like that's how pressed I was at that point. Right. <laughs> but, um, but it took, but it took, it was a commitment. Like it took a long time. Like right now I've been distracted cause I'm rewatching Mad Men. I've seen Mad Men, but I'm rewatching it. And it's like, once you get stuck in like, just is that a good show? So I thought Mad Men was a great show, at least in the beginning, as it got, as it got towards the last couple of seasons, it, it got a little bleaker. How, but, how many seasons? Six. See, like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm you not. Got, you got it. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I don't think y'all would, are gonna like Mad Men, honestly. Wow. Who is y'all? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What do you mean by y'all? Everybody wait. Everybody wait. Everybody wait. Naima, I gotta explain something to you. A couple weeks ago, Waz dropped this gem on us. Waz believes that black people don't have good taste in TVs or TV shows or movies. So when he says, y'all wouldn't like Mad Men, that is not like a, a flipping comment. He's saying, you, you niggers, he's saying with a hard R, you niggers. Hard R. only watch Tyler Perry. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Meet the Browns and, y'all just want to watch Empire. and House of Pain and Empire. Yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all have fun with those shows. Y'all don't do intellectual comedy. Yeah. <laughs> 
so so Waz, you you are you out on Snowfall then? I haven't I haven't been able to watch Snowfall. It, it, is Snowfall on anything that I could watch the whole thing at it's, once? No, because FX it's don't the, put this stuff out nah, all FX, at once. That's why FX, I started. Cody. FX you can't mm. download you can't download and also again it's one of those things where it's like I feel that's like that's why I haven't started it because I know it's an FX show and they don't just have this stuff available for you at the ready it's right. not like HBO where you just jump in or Showtime or whatever right that's honestly why I haven't started it's just it's about drug dealing I'm gonna probably want to watch that it's like it's like my favorite shit on TV right now to be honest well, with you. well I said it's about drug dealing I, I, I pretty much have to watch it like <laughs> Like 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 was so, fried chicken enter the room like I, I have so, to so you're out on black shows unless it's black shows that have to do with drugs that destroying no. our uh, communities just destroying yeah. our communities which you were <laughs> watching wise. no 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 so you, you like know what I'm out on I'm gonna give you an example stuff. of what I'm talking about Ava DuVernay not Central Park Five relax when she did the thirteen whatever the thirteen thirteen yeah. Everybody was like, oh, this is so good. I, I'm sorry. I watched that. I was like, eh, eh. Everybody went crazy. Wow. I get it. It's That's important. Not, it's not, black. Yeah, it's a doc. I mean, a doc. Hey, what was the noise? Hey, what, what, what did you do again? What did you do again? supposed to really be there, like, with popcorn. Like, No, it wasn't about popcorn. I don't okay. think she actually executed what she set out to do. Like, she had an idea at the, at the front end of it, and she never, like, actually executed this idea, which I was like, eh. Not, 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 not that good. Academy or arts and sciences would disagree, but okay. <laughs> but you know, you know, whatever. But that's just me. But that's just me. Everybody was right, and I get it. We gotta, we gotta show love to Ava. She's, a, she's incredible at what she does. Like I, I think she's, and but that's now, another part of Ava's, it. Have you watched Ava's TV? Like, have you ever watched? Um, have you ever watched Queen Sugar? Yeah, see, that's the thing. The thirteenth thing made me not want to watch Queen Sugar, <laughs> but I did watch Central Park, and I thought that was phenomenal. I'm out on Queen Sugar. My wife is binging it, and yeah. I, I, just on the strength, I'm out. <laughs> wow, I'm out. Is, there, is, there, is there because because your wife likes it? That's why you're out. No, because like I've seen good you know, reason not to like. It. I've seen, There's a lot in there. I've seen a couple episodes it's just like right in right. passing, and it's you know it's just, it's not my it's cup of tea. Yeah, I'm good on dramas unless there's some sort of drug dealing or something involved. <laughs> you, you too. You <laughs> too need to be special. Or, I, I like drugs, man. I, I like know about drug dealing. Stereotypes, all of them. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is Scandal a good show? No. Scandal started as a really. It started. Is it good, Naima? No, just answer. No, it's bad. It's the classic Y'all want me to watch black God, people? Listen, it's a nighttime. It's a nighttime drama. Like people used to watch. Yes, like saying was Dynasty a good show? Yeah. Not Landing a good show? They were. They were prime time drama. Sometimes you need salaciousness. It was entertaining as fuck. Now it's. I like that. Really I like that SAT so- word you used. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> I noticed you didn't answer the question. Yes or no? Was it good? <laughs> no, it started off good and then it got bad. It, I, this is what I would say about it. It's network TV. Like network TV. TV is always going to be. But the about... best part of scandal was Twitter. Let's be real. Hmm. Because I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a time where if you watch Scandal and you weren't in front of your television at yeah. nine o'clock on the dot. Eastern time for the cold open on a Thursday, you just couldn't come back on the timeline until you saw this yeah. episode. You couldn't because everybody it. it was it was like what we do what we did with Game of Thrones before like we that used no. to be scandal. You know, you know the very first example of that 
of any TV show was yeah, the, it's oh. Sunday nights, 9 p.m. on <laughs> MSNBC. Back, by the way. I missed that oh, show. Man, that, was good. Oh. that was good television. That was, that was good the TCAP, the TCAP tweets. That was, but that was a different time. Like, think about, like, right now. Catfish on Twitter was pretty great, too. Catfish was good. But think yes. about TCAP. Think about, like, the joy we had in watching these predators get caught. Now, Twitter would be like, I can't believe you're laughing at such a serious matter. These are yeah. predators. And I'm like, get relaxed. Because it was just ridiculous. The guy would show up with, like, Mike's Hard Lemonade <laughs> and a pocket full of condoms and take his clothes off. Right. <laughs> and we had a Law and Order episode about that, actually. Yes, and that shit was dope. <laughs> that shit was dope. My man, uh, what was his name? Ken, not Ken, what was his name? They, yeah, but Chris they, Hansen. They, they, Chris Hansen. <laughs> Chris Hansen. Because Chris the, Hansen. The, the, was the Law and Order episode, he gets killed, right? Like the, the host yeah. of the show. <laughs> I remember that, man. That was, that now, was see, a good I, I, was out, I was out on Scandal because, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Football. I like watching football all the time. And I had a, a squad of homies <clears throat> where I'd be over their house all day on Sundays. You know, we doing what we do, chilling. Scandal's a Thursday show, bro. Oh, it's a Thursday? Okay, Thursday. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, over there on Thursdays. And Thursday night football comes on. And I like to watch Thursday night football. But they would turn Thursday night football off to watch fucking Scandal. So I was off on it. But How to Get Away with Murder, that's a dope show. That's I, a dope. I, you think that's a dope show? I thought, I, 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 I thought, wow, awesome. you just you just judged me like that I, premise, wow. That premise thought, worked for the first we season, and they have been ringing it out. Thankfully, this is the last season coming out. They've been ringing it out for five more. So seasons. wait, like, the, so that's about to be over? But scandal, scandal still on? Scandal been gone. Scandal's gonna oh, on right. like two seasons. Scandal is she right got, there with power as side, horrific TV that my black friends and family tried to shove down my throats. And I'm just not having it anymore, Naima. I just can't do it anymore. Hey, why? Wow, stop coming for <laughs> black people, man. No more black people shit, bro. Shit can be... Why is he being anti-Clayton Bigsby? He's such a slow... Black Fitness Matters podcast. Hold on. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's pause for the cause right here. <laughs> I'm gonna just I'm gonna do this one read right here again. October 12th, the live show at the Independent in San Francisco. A limited amount of tickets have been re-released. Uh, I don't know where they found these seats, but they found some more seats. And given that it's general admission, it's not like I'm selling you the worst tickets in the house. I'm selling you the opportunity to get in. Uh, it's it's a month away. If you don't live in San Francisco in the Bay Area, that's enough time to forgot travel uh if you do live in the bay area and you ain't got a, an excuse saturday october 12th no one should be coming from work no one should have any problems getting a babysitter it's at the independent in san francisco i'm there trey's there wad's there everybody's there and as always we always have a special guest and you know when it's in the bay area uh, i believe chase center opens like two days before that so we're gonna get some good guests trust me on that one so countedthings.com get your tickets are uh, there and we'll see you there and we'll continue this conversation in the overflow we're going to talk about speaking of bad black tv shows we're going to recap the power this week and so go ahead become a patreon so you can tune in to the rest of this conversation it's black opinions matter motherfucker